Episode 43. We're doing this for remote. Take two. We started it. There was a lag. We're starting over because we want the very best for everyone listening because we're like that. Also, on that note, we led some people astray. We've got to take accountability. High accountability pod. And we went 0-10. With we were 0-10 in our It picks. was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I, I still don't... I don't feel okay about it. I still... Mm. Yeah, I don't this either. Was a, I don't care what anybody else says or if anyone else is even saying this or not saying this. It was a weird freaking week in the NFL. Like, obviously, there were a couple upsets. It was- Something to throw out there that I'm just going to throw out there already. Only one person yeah. in the whole NFL rushed for 100 yards. One person. Whoa. One. That's Kenneth an interesting Walker one to get out was there. was the only one who rushed for 100 yards. So it was just a very it was just, weird yeah. week in the NFL. All in all. I mean, there's a lot of teams on by. Right? There were. But... Weird. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll obviously get into it. We're going to jump into week seven and, and talk about games specifically. But as a whole, it really was a weird week. And that's the only reason we messed up our picks. Everyone. Correct. We're normally we're very spot good. on with this stuff. Very smart. Guys, we're spot on here. I, and I'm now at 500. Spot on. The Niners going down, which was brutal. The only redeeming fact about that game was that I was at a John Mayer concert. So I was watching on my phone or following my phone instead of it. It was a time, though. Dude, John Mayer, what a guy. What a it legend. Sounds, Just tickling that acoustic guitar. It sounds unbelievable. Oh. And then J.P. Sachs opened. Ooh, he's got a killer he's, voice, yeah, too. Yeah, he's got a lot of sad songs. Yeah, you know, like the If the World Was Ending yep, song? a lot of sad songs. Yeah. But feels songs. Some feels songs. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, let me tell you what. That John Mayer. Oh, he was getting after it. He was getting after it. I was feeling something deep in my soul. Wow. It was great. Wow. John Mayer, dude, wow. he can really, he's yeah. masterful with that guitar. He's so good. This, I was, because uh, Iceman came too, which was awesome. So Iceman's beside me and uh, we were just talking about it. I'm like, he, and I, there's like this one syncopated, um, or it wasn't even really syncopated. It was just kind of like an arpeggio that he was playing. And I was like, it would take me like 10 takes to get one bar of it in rhythm, everything good. Right. And he's just chilling, playing the whole song, like nothing's going on. This is just wild. Dude. Some people are, are extremely gifted and then there are people like me. Yeah, well, I mean, once again, I, you, you, yes, gifted, I think definitely plays a factor, but my, that guy's been playing guitar since he was very young. And I mean, can you imagine how many hours John Mayer has played a guitar? Well, we were even thinking, besides total hours playing guitar, think about the number of hours he's played on stage. Yeah. So he's obviously been playing with John Mayer, then John Mayer Trio, then he played with Dead and & Company. And so easily 20, we'll round it down to like 20 years, 25 years, he's probably playing at least 100 shows, two hours a night every year. I mean, he's at easily like 5,000 hours Just in of shows. performance, and, which yeah, is crazy. I mean, dude, he's probably... Yeah. 40,000 hours, like total time. Mm-hmm. But that's awesome, man. I'm glad you guys, I'm glad you guys got the chance to go. That sounds, sounds like a dream. You see a lot of good concerts this year. I have. Yeah. I, uh, I've been on a concert kick since COVID. I, cause I love concerts. I love live music in general. And so I've just been thinking, what are the, what are the ones I want to see? What are the bands? And what I was going to say about John Mayer, which is true for a lot of the concerts I've been to, not all, but most of the ones this year, it just seems like the people on stage are having a blast yeah. and that makes me happy. 
Like I love it when it looks like they're having fun too versus this is a job and they've played 70 shows and they're done. You crack me up. I just I just want people to have fun. I just love when they're I'm just a great guy like that. I just I want to feel good and I feel good when other people feel good. That makes sense. I can appreciate Gosh, I'm that. So nice. I can... Tell me more. Yeah. What what episode is this? 43? This is 43. 43. Wow. Can you believe that? 43 episodes. A few episodes in the book. And right now, we've got Game 7 on. Yeah. Philly's Diamondbacks. Huge Diamondbacks guy. Huge Diamondbacks guy right here. You know what? The worst part about it is, I just don't believe the Phillies are going to pull it out. My heart hopes that. My heart does. But they, the last couple games, mm. well, not the last couple, the last game, dude, they got crushed at home. The momentum, what is it, one nothing right now? After one. Yeah, it's one nothing. Bryce Harper just struck out in the first inning and oh gosh. I mean, is it is Uh-oh. it a Rangers? Uh oh, one to one. What? One to one. What happened? Bummer. Hate to see it. I'm not going to tell you. I must be a little bit ahead of you. Well, no, I'm not. I, I had to take it off because I didn't know if my Wi-Fi was messing it up. Mm, bomb just hit a home run. Bomb just went a bomb. Wow. We love that. Yeah, so it's one-to-one solo shot. But what if the bank's not anything special? What if the bank can't get it done? What if the Philly fans aren't even real fans? And uh, they're like they band, can't help the team win. bandwagon fans. Yeah, and they're bandwagon. And then the best thing about Philadelphia becomes a broken bell. And a little, little like art project with a bunch of scribbles on it. That would be wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, but yeah. you have to also admit you're a bandwagon <laughs> 49ers fan. That's true. But I was part of what made them better because I came with my dog, CMC. Yeah, I came with Bryce Harbor. Huh? That's fair. <laughs> they had a little bit of a run. Yeah, 49ers had a run. Fair enough. Fair enough. Dude, can you? You know what? We're just loyal teammates. Can you imagine, dude, Philly pulling this out? This, By the way, this is the first Game 7 in Philadelphia Phillies history. Ever. Really? At, like at no, Philly or in general? Ever. This can't be the Look first Game 7 ever in any series. In any series. In playoff series. Yep. Look it up. I'm just going to choose to believe you. That's wild. The first Game 7. But there are two games. Two Game 7s, though, because Rangers... Thank yeah, goodness we all love pull that. it out against the Astros. Honestly, we all love, love that. that. Anyone outside of Houston loves that. Everyone loves that. And everyone's going to love the D-backs. Because yeah. you have to admit, obviously, you want the Phillies to win. But the Diamondbacks, there's probably six, seven, I don't know exactly how many teams that I, I'm like, you know, I would love for them to do well. And the Diamondbacks are one. The Brewers are one for me. Just some certain teams like that. And so if Philly wasn't playing. So I think everyone is so happy that the Astros, except Houston Astros fans, but everyone's so happy that the Astros are done. Get them out of here. That's what I'm saying. If it's a Rangers and Diamondbacks World Series, most of baseball that didn't have their team lose is going to be like, that's awesome. I'm here for that. Yeah. Well, even Braves, people would be against Philly. Obviously, people would be against. Both of those are not popular franchises. Like, I feel like if the Braves went, right, yeah. Right. But I also feel like they would have higher viewership because they're a more popular franchise. Probably higher viewership, but this has higher satisfaction. Think about that. Do you believe life is about satisfaction or about making a difference? I can't get no satisfaction. Hmm. 
what is uh what what if it's making a difference and starting to build these lower market teams think about that mm, put that in your pipe and smoke that's a good it point we uh we might as well just move on because we're probably gonna be talking about this game since we're watching it right yep. now. So, um, moving on, should we should we toss it to Iceman? Let's see what he's got for us early right now? and often to Iceman. What's up, everybody? This week's unsung hero is Mark Furman, who is from Oslo, Norway. Yes, I got out of Michigan. Congrats. Um, and so what he has pulled off is really quite impressive. Mark Furman is 65 years old and he enjoys a good kayak paddle, just like the rest of us on a nice sunny day. Except, you know, he's kind of taking it to the extreme. You see, starting in 2017, Mark realized his little hobby could be something he could use for fundraising. So in 2017, Mark started in Norway and just casually paddled, you know, um, to Greece. Yeah, all the way to Greece. But then he took it to another extreme this year where he decided to come to the U.S. to see what America looked like and decided to do what's called the Greater Big Loop, which if you're not familiar with that, it's about 6,800 miles of paddling. Um, which is the equivalent to paddling 643 hours or 68 days. 68 days of paddling. Now, the Greater Big Loop will take you from the outside of Nova Scotia, Canada, down into uh, the Hudson River Valley, into the Great Lakes, down the Mississippi River, out New Orleans, and then around Florida, and back up the East Coast to wherever your point of origin was. And so Mark has pulled this feat off, and that's freaking amazing. At the same time, he's doing it to raise awareness, so he's doing it for a good cause. His wife is a physician, and so he's using two different organizations to try and raise some money. Mark is partnering with Doctors Without Borders and Captains Without Borders in order to raise some funds using his physical feat of this paddling expedition. And he, at this point, he's done around $8,900. So Mark, um, I've got a lot of questions, man. One, are you crazy? But two, I just want to shake your hand because at the end of this whole thing Mark gets done and he gets done and the reporter comes up and he says how do you feel what do you think about this whole feat and he goes can somebody get me a drink please and that guy uh Mark Furman from Oslo Norway is this week's unsung hero that is quite a lot of paddling so what do you think he asked to drink at the end he said, give me a drink. Probably like a nice cold warm milk. A warm milk. Dude, you, a glass of warm milk. Honestly, a man, mug of I, warm milk. I don't really know anyone who would drink warm milk, but you seriously look like a person who would enjoy a glass of warm milk. I think cats drink warm milk. Something like that. Maybe. Are you saying you're a cat? <laughs> Little babies drink. Are you saying you're a cat? Rawr. But shout out to Mark, I man. Iceman's always bringing the heat. No pun intended. Mmm. He is bringing the heat. I mean, I'm just thinking about how much paddling that is. Paddling? Yeah. You're just... Do you think it's 68, like... 68,000 miles, is that what he said? Or 68 days? A lot of numbers. So do you think it's like... it? That would be like like two or three United States, right? Yeah, because it's, I guess, all around. That's what I'm saying. So it'd be like two or three... That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. People are crazy. That's also inspiring. So, like, good job, I can't people. imagine paddling five miles. I can't imagine driving a car like seven miles. I can't imagine seven walking hours, thirty eight minutes. hours. Can you imagine walking thirty minutes? I can't imagine. I can't imagine going on a quarter mile run. Oh gosh, I can't imagine doing two push ups. Mm. I can't even do one. <laughs> <laughs> should we just jump in a week seven? I think we should jump head first in. All right, let's start then with the Thursday game, Jag Saints. 
Jags pull it out 31-24. Scott got that. We were on board with it. The drop in the end zone, though, for the Saints. That was tough. tough. We got to start there. That was tough. Derek Carr had a great pass. Yep. Dude, how do you drop that pass? That was the other interesting thing this week. There were a few drops, a few big drops. Yeah. Like Tyreek Hill had a couple. Um, Devontae Adams had a big drop. Yeah. Very uncharacteristic drops this week. It must have been the script. I'm not a big conceit. I'm not like normally I am sometimes, but a conspiracy theorist. But I might have to buy it in the script. You're a big conspiracy guy. Jags are, dude, they're low key becoming the real deal. Five and two? And their losses were to the Texans that are shaping up to be a better team than expected. Yep. I think that's fair to say. No matter, not saying that they're going to be a top 10 or whatever, but better than expected. And then the Chiefs, who are the Chiefs. Yeah. So, yeah. Not bad. No, not bad at all, man. They looked, and, Etienne played well again. And I was about to say, you're not a big Trevor Lawrence guy, but I mean, he's doing his job. I mean, he's not putting up crazy numbers, right? But he's doing his job. Yeah. I would say that he's like a, a solid middle of the road quarterback. My brother and I were talking, I feel like there are categories of quarterbacks where you've got maybe like superstar which is MVP conversation, top maybe three to five quarterback, then star, then starter, and then like you're looking for a replacement. And I think he's solidly in the starter category right now. You know what I mean? Like maybe 10 to 20 quarterbacks. you know, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's got all the physical tools. Seems to be he's making better decisions the last couple of years. I got to say good to average quarterback. He's not going to hold them back. Yeah, but this is also where, what is this his third year in the league, right? Trevor Lawrence, third year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People, like, once again, it's like their third year. And I think from a, even a second year, he had a pretty good second year in the NFL as a QB. And he's having a pretty good third year. And it's like, you know, this guy is, what, 25? I mean, think he's got 10 years probably ahead of him. And so it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, right now he might be, I would say, you know, let's just say the, the, 13th best quarterback in the NFL, whatever, making up a number, but somewhere around there, right? Mid-tier. Yeah. It's like he could easily the next few years be top eight, right? Maybe top six. Well, I think that's the other thing with these these quarterback categories that me and my brother were talking about. It's like, I think that very easily you can go up or down one tier based off of situation and based off of coaching and everything. Yeah. Like, maybe you're not going to go from fringe starter to superstar, but... If you're in that starter category, in the wrong situation, you can find yourself on the outs. And on the right situation, you can be in that star category where you're like a, a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Or you could be like Kirk Cousins, who's just top three every year. Puts up crazy numbers, and then people love to hate on. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So there's Also, an, Corbin Carroll just got picked saw, off and uh, stole it. second. Got away with it. Oh, you did? You got it back on? Oh, let's go. Yeah, I got it back on. What, what I put on the demon. cellular data. Uh, smart guy, smart guy. What uh, game should we go to? So next one, I'll say NFC South matchup. Falcons edging the Bucks surprised me a little bit. I thought the Bucks were were a little better than that. Um, also an ugly game. Yeah, just not pretty. I mean, sixteen thirteen, not pretty. That fumble out the back of the end zone, or I guess out the side of the end zone for Desmond Ritter, that could have been very costly. That was. It pisses me off when they make dumb mistakes like that and still win a football game. He did that twice, didn't he? I know. Didn't he do that twice? I, I don't know if he did. I didn't watch he the whole game. But on I mean, the goal line the football twice. Up there. It was a sloppy game. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. 
So I don't even want yeah, to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yep. Let's talk about the Browns. And let's talk about how they Dude. combined for almost 80 points in that game. I took the under at 39 and a half because I was like, backup quarterbacks, Browns are a crazy defense. No. So wrong. You know what we should do at the end of the year? We should have like one of each, like one of me, one of you, and like our worst pick throughout the season. That could be the worst pick throughout the season. And I was pretty confident on it before. You were. You were actually very confident wow. on it. Well, I was also confident in the Lions to cover and the Ravens just, well, let's talk about that game. What the heck? I think, well, two things actually with it. I've been saying all year that the Ravens just haven't taken that leap from a good team to a great team by finishing teams off, showing, playing like a complete game. They did it this time. Like, I think a lot of props go to the Ravens in that game. I think a little bit was a trap game for the Lions. Yes, uh, you lost David Montgomery. Yes, there have just been injuries and things. But I think all in all, the Ravens were, were dialed in. They were ready to be that top team, and the Lions weren't there that game. Not saying that they can't bounce back or, or still beat them yeah. later. But- yeah, but I'd argue, and this is, this is not just because I have them on a fantasy team, but I argued that Jameer Gibbs is better than Montgomery, and he actually played well last game for the Lions. So it's like, yeah, I guess it was a little bit of a trap game, but I mean, dude, the Ravens put it freaking to them. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think the Ravens deserve so many like yeah. props in this game. They played so well. The other thing is, it's the NFL. Any team can beat anyone any week. And when, when you come out swinging and just pop someone in their mouth like that at the beginning of the game, I think it's easy to get out of hand. Yeah. Whereas I think sometimes we think it's it's college where you have teams that are so much more dominant than others. Whereas realistically, even the Panthers could beat any team this year. Not saying they will, <laughs> but they could. No, I mean, whereas, right. But at the same time, it's like you don't expect, because I put the Lions, I think, at five or four last week. And you freaking don't expect the Lions to get... I mean, just not even have a competitive game against the Ravens. And that's where I think that part of it, maybe they were looking, maybe it was a trap game. Maybe it was just the way the yeah. Lions or Ravens came out. But I think that they just jumped off so quickly, so fast and just popped them in the mouth that that's why it was more of a landslide, if that makes sense. But who knows? I don't, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think these teams are 32 points apart. No. I just think that the Ravens played a heck of a game. Yeah. So next game, I would say, man, that the which was miserable to watch because it was on the local network. It was the freaking Commanders and the Giants. Like, dude, and 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 also in all honesty, I've been very high on Sam Howell, and he's had a couple games this season where it's like, come on, man. Like, no TDs, one pick, and I mean, Tyrod Taylor outplayed him for the Giants. The Commanders, I'm realizing this year. They played a good game against the Eagles where the Eagles secondary especially looked terrible. And I've been a little bit higher on the commanders than I think they deserve. Right. You know what I mean? Like I don't think they're that good I don't think they're top fifteen. But still. No, I I, that's what I'm saying. I think they're probably in the twenty five ish range. We'll see. But that's my thought there. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about it, dude. It was miserable to watch. Other thing I'd say though with this 
it's it's interesting week seven feels like the perfect time where you think you figured out the season you think you figured out what's happening and then you realize that you know nothing correct about or like teams just surprise you and i think that this happened to us and everyone this week yeah i was more confident about my picks this week than arguably ever because i was like i feel like i really i have a pulse Same. on the nfl and uh well we saw how that played out going over five speaking mm. of pulse on the nfl dude I mean, I don't know what the money line or what the the line was, man. But the Patriots, what? The Bills need to figure something out, big time. Dude, the last couple games they have looked like, I mean, not a good football team. And I don't even think it's Josh Allen, dude. He's he's the most overrated top five QB. <laughs> but the Bills' problems, honestly, he's still out there making plays. It's just kind of. Him and Stefan well, Diggs figured it out. Like, what's up with their defense? The Patriots scoring 29? Come on. Yeah. That's bad. No, I'm with you. And also, letting Mac Jones score TD, right? Because the Bills went up with, what, was it a minute and a half? Two minutes to go? And they, dude, the Patriots needed a freaking TD. Yeah. Oh, sorry. They needed three points. And they got a TD with, like, 12 seconds to go. So they let him mm. march all the way down the field and score TD with less than two minutes left. So it was ridiculous. I don't know, man. The Bills, they, yes, they have Josh Allen. Yes, they have Stephon Diggs. Yes. But defense has a lot of holes. But they've got, that's what I'm saying. They've got to figure yeah. something out quick. Dude, um, because they, they got to, I mean, it's kind of crazy to say this. I mean, Bengals had a bye last week, but you're kind of looking at the Bengals at three and three mm-hmm. going like, hey, this is your time. Like win the next couple games? It's it's opening up a lot. Let's just put it out there. But the Bengals do play. Guess yeah. who this week? The Niners. 49ers. But before we get to the Niners and the Dolphins Eagles, because obviously those are some of the fun games to talk about. Packers, Broncos, Broncos pull it out. Nothing really yeah. special there. Seahawks, Cardinals, nothing really interesting in that game. I do think the Bears deserve a little bit of a shout out with the backup quarterback getting getting down. Look pretty good. But one of the... So there... And I have a little bit of a rant of this because, of course, I love hating on officiating. But did you see in the Steelers-Rams game the spot on fourth down right before the two-minute warning? No. So Rams are on defense. Steelers are coming down. They uh, go for it on fourth down. And a lot of times, spot's hard to tell. But Kenny Pickett's trying to sneak in. There's like the side camera coming in. And he gets pushed down. So you can, it's very obvious where he's down. You can see his knee, you can see the ball. But the Rams had used up all their timeouts before the two minute warning. And so they didn't review it. It was the play that ran down to the two minute warning. So they couldn't challenge it and they didn't even review the call. And it was like clear as day short. And they gave to him? Yeah. They, well, because it was like the spot on the field, but they just didn't review it. Got it. And I'm like, you got to review. Like, I understand it's not the two-minute warning where you challenge everything, but a play like that, you you review stuff in the NFL. Like, you've got to review that play. I wonder why. I mean, is it just like not within two minutes, you don't review the spot? Maybe McVay said something earlier that got on the wrong side of the officiating crew. Maybe. But who knows? Anyway, that was a tough yeah. one. Uh, Chiefs Chargers, though. The Chiefs finally looked good again. So they the. Did. Against my complaints were against the Ravens not looking good. Chiefs offense not firing. They came out firing. So by the way, how much? Mostly how much do we love that, that the over was forty nine, and they scored forty eight? 
You know what's my favorite part? They had 41 points at half. They needed eight points in the second half, and they got seven combined. Yeah, we love it about as much as the 49ers missing two field goals to keep them from covering the over. We love it just about as much as the Bears-Raiders game where it looks like a lock for the under that we're taking, and then the Bears get a pick six, and then give up a garbage time touchdown to the Raiders. We love yeah. that. Can't we love it. That's how much we love it. But yeah, Chiefs Chiefs finally looked. I mean, dude, Patrick, I'm going to talk about that in my quarterback talk, but Patrick Mahomes looked like Patrick Mahomes. It's true. He looked good. Kelsey obviously going off. Uh, and as a perfect transition, one of my things in the Eagles game that I love, uh, the commentators were talking about how Kel- Travis Kelsey's out there catching, what was it, 14 passes, 170 yards and a touchdown. And Jason Kelsey's doing the tush push, getting 3,000 pounds laying on top of him. It's like one of them picked the right position. The other one did not. Yeah, dude. Jason Kelsey is a Hall of Fame center. Mm. I mean, that guy is one of the biggest reasons, if not, the biggest reason why that tush push works so well in Philadelphia. I mean, other teams can't do it. It, It's clearly Kelsey and Jalen Hurts. They can't. The Vikings game, dude, I watched Kirk Cousins do it. Like it was like a a second and one, third and one, and he neither one. He didn't get it. It's ridiculously hard to stop. And in the Dolphins game, they had two huge stops going to fourth down. The first one was on like the 25 yard line. And no other team could ever go for it there. And the Eagles are like, yeah, I mean, no one can stop us. Why would we not go? Right. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like you're playing Madden and your friend's always going for it on fourth down. That you're was like, me. this is, I've stopped you. That <laughs> Just punt it to me. That was me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense. It would be fourth and 12. And I would like, I do the freaking hot routes and I do like cross slants, fourth and 12. I dude, I used to be a big hot route guy. Audible, audible, yeah. Omaha, Omaha. Peyton Manning himself. Yeah. I have some thoughts, but before I get to my thoughts, what were your thoughts on the Dolphins Eagles game? You know what my thoughts are. My thoughts are everyone's like, Dolphins, oh my goodness, they're so good this year. The Dolphins are the real deal. They're unbelievable in the offense. The Dolphins have played two top ten teams and both times have lost by at least two touchdowns. They cannot compete right now with the top teams in the NFL. In fact, I almost didn't put them in my top 10. Well, you don't think that the fact that the Eagles had zero penalties and the Dolphins had 10, including, by the way, when the Eagles put blitzers and headlocks, when they grabbed face mask and pass interference on first down or fourth down, you don't think that any of that has a play to I don't think it has nearly the, the Eagles are such a clean team that they got they shouldn't have gotten any penalties. Is that fair? Dude, some people play better better defense, right? Some people don't hold as much. Oh yeah, it helps when you grab a it helps when you hold a face mask though. That's a great way to get away with pass interference. Yeah. Well, there, to get, in all honesty and though, then your two penalties in all get. honesty though, if you want to have that argument, uh-huh. then the Chiefs would be 4 and 3. So <laughs> Well, that's fair. Okay, so I'm going to go in, though, on this because there were very iffy calls in that game. It was bad, very bad, and does not add up. And so I was looking, and unfortunately, the head ref went to South Carolina, which is tough, but integrity, got to talk about it. (laughs) So he went to South Carolina, and they got banned. His uh, crew got banned from doing an ACC championship because he had been officiating Clemson games and had gotten unethical calls from them. 
And so that crew wasn't able to officiate the ACC championship. Well, the same official, the head official, grew up 65 miles outside of Philadelphia. We love that. It's interesting. As an official, you're supposed to, I guess, abandon your fandom when you become an official. But to me, I'm like, that. it just doesn't work that way. Like The reason you become an official, I'm assuming for 99% of people, is because you love football, you love the game. So almost all of them are going to grow up loving a team. And you don't just completely not care anymore so i feel like it would be way better for you to have to declare who you like and then adjust and then have games that are um i guess don't impact that team yeah but i'm like yeah like it's we're ignorant to think that you don't care about it anymore just because you say you don't that's a good point and a lot of times you might think that you don't care but subconsciously you know who knows yeah that that's more of my point like you try your best it is interesting though because on the roughing the passer called on christian wilkins i saw the head ref who's the guy that i was talking about they're both back there the other guy throws the flag and then they're like huddling up right before he makes the call and he looks over at the other guy who made the call and he's like are you sure like are you like i'll watch the same thing are you sure that this is a roughing the passer and the other guy's like yeah and he threw the flag uh but i mean that call was rough there were a couple calls that could have been also called on the Dolphins, but the fourth down pass interference face mask, that was awful. That was like egregious. And then there were a couple, I think, I honestly, I think one was on Jason Kelsey, but like either pulling guard or the center coming around and then just straight up put the defender in a headlock and wasn't caught a hold or anything. Like it was tough to watch. Yeah. the four, I agree with you on the fourth down one. I can't really speak to, to many others because I do feel like in the NFL, there's so like we talk about, there's so many fine lines and there's so like, you know, I forgot what lineman said it, but every play is a hold by some guard in some form or facet. And it's like, Oh, well I'll send you this one though. Cause it's, it's a headlock. It's not like a grab. Like he no, wraps around him from behind. To zero, like, you know, it's, I, I don't know about the 10, but yeah, the one, the one on fourth down, I agree. Should have been pass interference. That one shouldn't pass, but still, dude. At the at the so, end of the day, like it wasn't a close game. Well, no, that's where I disagree because there were a couple. That was right before the pick six, so that was uh, like towards the in the red zone, essentially. Then obviously the tush push is just hard. Yeah. Like you can't do anything about it, and I don't think it should be banned either, just because they're good at right. it. But like when you're not getting calls and you're getting that, like this game really wasn't a blowout. It was no, it wasn't. It wasn't like the Ravens Lions game, but. I mean, dude, yeah. the, after the first quarter, it, it was a, a commanding Eagles victory. Like, the Dolphins never really, you could, I mean, from the first quarter, on, like after the first quarter, it wasn't really that competitive. It was tied, though, in the third quarter. It was, after the pick six. Yep, it was. Yeah, so, and that, that pick six was after the holding call before that could have been tied right before that. So if that hadn't got called and then they had scored... And then still gotten the pick six. I'm not saying it would have gone that way, but it would have been 24-17. So I wouldn't really say it's a commanding victory after the first quarter. Like if that game was 31-17, the same as the Chiefs and the Chargers were 31-17. And I would say that the Chiefs had a much more commanding victory than the Eagles did. Oh, I don't know, dude, because Miami could not get anything going on offense. Like they didn't even score in the second quarter outside of an interception return. So like like Tua had a very you know two hundred yeah, yards did. a pick and a TD. They, they had they did score. They scored a touchdown in the second quarter. I said after the second. Tyree Kill scored a twenty. I said yeah in the second half. 
Like in the second yeah. half of that football game, the Dolphins did not score offensively. They scored one defensive touchdown. But that's what I was saying. They were in the red zone when the, that fourth down was called, or like right around there. And only 45 yards rushing. That was the biggest thing, the first half rush defense, which we've also talked about. We're like, they haven't looked good for the Eagles, and they clearly stepped it up there, and Miami can run the ball. Um, yeah, I obviously, I just, I don't know. I don't think that, it's not like we're talking strength of schedule between SEC and Pac-12 or something. Like, yes, there are harder teams and harder schedules in the NFL, but Again, any team can be any team, as we've seen. And so I don't think that the... the I guess what I'm saying is I'm going to hold off the fraud talk yet for the Dolphins. I think at week through week seven, we'll see come playoffs who's frauds and who's not. Yeah. No, 100%. I'm just saying people were very high on the Dolphins, and they had a very weak schedule the first six games of the, of the season. So, I mean, it's the same argument where it's like, you know... This person's played a lot of hard teams and they're four and three, so we're gonna put them in the top ten. But I mean, it, the facts show for itself. Like the, even the Bills blew them out by twenty eight. I mean, yeah, the Eagles didn't blow them out, but they won by fourteen. Like two top ten teams in the NFL, but the Dolphins didn't really compete with either. So the Dolphins will not sell me until they compete with a legit NFL team. I just don't understand how you can say they didn't compete when it was tied in the third quarter. The e- they put the Eagles on two fourth downs before they got to midfield that they were able to get out of, and then they ended up going down and scoring there. Like, that's what I'm saying is they competed with the Eagles. Okay, my version. Like, if you think ten penalties versus zero, like you said, the Dolphins were two in the power ring. You put them behind the Eagles, and the Eagles yeah. won by fourteen. So it's like. Yeah. From that standpoint, they did not compete. We're not talking about the Carolina Panthers playing the Eagles, and it's like, oh my gosh, they were tied, dude. They were tied Com- in quarter Competing's three. not relative. They were tied, though, in, in competing's not <laughs> Competing's not relative. It's either a co- like a close competition or not a competition. They never took, but they, they <laughs> never like, led once in that football game. Yeah. I mean, that, anyway, my whole point is like, I think the Dolphins are not nearly as good as what everyone says because they had one 70 point game and they have a lot of fast guys. Just because they had one 70 point game and they have a lot of fast guys does not make them a top three NFL team. That's all I've been saying. All right. Fair. Let's talk about the Niners Vikings. <laughs> that was an ugly <laughs> game. I'm still, I'm still just so mad that there were no calls on the Eagles oh, that weren't offside. Hold on. That to me is sketchy. Hold on, Phillies just scored. Uh, wow, let's go. Bummer. Let's bummer. go. I just, I hate Philadelphia. Oh, pitch, and pitch and change. Pitch and change. Oh, that was bomb and scored. Watch so he's got both out. Throw right, him a chair. Got, got some interesting facts for the Niners Vikings. Dude, Niners Vikings, that really surprised me. I thought the 49ers were going to bounce back in a in a great way. You know I'm a big bounce back guy. I'm a big I mean I am. I'm a big bounce back guy. Yeah. And I really thought like that once again I picked them to to cover the six and a half. I thought it was going to be a 10 14 point game against the Vikings. But dude, what you, I mean, you can make the same conversation just like the Bills. Like, what is going on? 
Good, yeah. Like, do you think it's like Debo's that big of a weapon that if they don't have Debo, then like their offense is not nearly as good? Do you think it's just like, you know, Brock, Brock maybe just had a tough couple games? Do you think like what? What do you? I mean, you 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 studied this stuff with the 49ers. What do you? So, my thought, yeah, my thought is one. I was a little bit disappointed in their defense. I mean, I lost in fantasy by three point three points, and their defense got me minus three points. That was tough. Um, but I think I was a little disappointed in their defense both weeks, honestly. How their defense can you minus Debo, three points? I can't stand some of the fantasy points. Yeah, the because they works. only scored 22. Right. And I they had at least an interception. Yeah, that's what I don't right? understand. Or fumble recovery. Yeah. So I was probably based off of yards, which is, Maybe. So, I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole All other right. conversation. But so the 49ers won their offense with Debo and Christian McCaffrey. They've tried it with Ray Ray McLeod, and it just isn't the same as with the two of them where they substitute in and out. Yeah. And they've built their offense around that in a lot of ways. So Debo going down, I think, is massive. And he's going to be out next week, which will be tough, too, against the Bengals. But so that's a big loss. CMC is not at 100%, which no one is in the middle of the year, but like he was questionable going yeah, into the game. So that he looked good. He had two TDs. But still, he looked, see, he looked like himself. He, no, his yards per carry were way down. Well, that's because they couldn't pass the football. Well, no, he didn't pass terrible. Like he was, until the two interceptions in the fourth quarter, he looked pretty good. Like at halftime, he had like two or three incompletions for like 130 something yards, which is very on par for what it normally is. Um, for the, the 49ers so I don't really know I think Debo I think is a bigger piece than people realize but still there's just someone needs to step up and separate yeah and I think the Vikings once again are very and always underrated right they have a tough start to the, the season and they go oh they got lucky last year no the Vikings are still a pretty good football team right and yes Justin Jefferson's out right now but they still have some playmakers, Kirk Cousins, like we talk about. Top three. Is solid. <laughs> anyway, that's my thought on that game. It was frustrating. I also didn't watch all of it. I was just trying to follow along. So I well, wish I could speak more to it. And but. I've actually, I, I've listened to a few different people speak about like a, like commentators about the 49ers Vikings game. Cause I, once again, I, I'm just kind of curious, like what the heck's going on the last couple weeks with the 49ers. Dude. And people, once again, even announcers and commentators, they're, they're the first ones to overreact, right? When like things are going well, they overreact this way, and then you know they're two and four, like the Vikings or whatever, and then they're like they're never going to make the playoffs next forty years. But Brock Purdy, dude, they were having a conversation. A couple of announcers, it was like Stephen A. and a couple more. They were putting Brock Purdy in the same conversation as Brian Hoyer, Jimmy G. And like the previous 49ers QBs. So it's interesting. I also, and this is, this will get me going. <laughs> I think people way overreact, like you're saying, like, yeah. and also just have ignorant opinions. Because yeah. I saw on Twitter a bunch of people talking about like how, oh, the, the 49ers are regretting the trade, getting rid of Trey Lance and all these things. I'm like, no, they're not. Like, stop obsessing over people's pedigree of what they thought coming into the league. We already know that doesn't necessarily mean that much. Also, it's two losses. He's thrown three interceptions the last two games. That's a lot for him. Jalen Hurts threw three interceptions in one game. Like, calm down, people. Also, to the point that we talk about the pressure on quarterbacks, 
think about the toll that it would take. Yes, it's motivating you sometimes, but when you have an army of people just waiting for you to fail because they're like, haha, you see, you weren't drafted high enough. So like you're destined to be a failure. Like I saw so many people were like, he's showing the quarterback that he, why he was drafted last overall. Like he's showing his true colors and everything. I'm like, he threw two picks at the end of the game. Those were bad. I'm not excusing those. And those were, I mean, they had a chance to win that football game. Yeah. Like those were bad. The, The week before though, he had one ball that slipped and he let him down the field for a game-winning drive to the field goal was missed. I'm not like running for the hills saying Brock Purdy's a bad quarterback. That's ridiculous at this point. Yes, if he does it for seven, eight more games, potentially then there's a conversation of was it just the mountaintop early on? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, dude. Look, I agree with you. I, I still think Brock Purdy is, is a good NFL QB. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. I think some of these, once again, mm-hmm. commentators are, are they're I don't know how they get paid because it's like, I mean, they just overreact like both ways. Right. But because like two weeks ago, they're like, Brock Purdy's an MVP. And now they're like, should they cut him? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know. And it's like, he's had two yeah. bad, not but, even horrible, but, but bad but, weeks. <laughs> but this is what I will say. Yeah. The last two games. Mm-hmm. Yes. He only threw one pick the last game and it was raining. Wah, wah, wah. He had a 50 passer rating and he threw for 120 yards. And then, of course, this game, right? A couple bad picks. Yeah, he threw for 270, had a touchdown, but once again, did not win the game. A couple bad picks. My point is you take McCaffrey and Debo out. Obviously, those are two great weapons, right? And it's a decent Brown mm-hmm. State, sure. But he, he struggled a lot. And then you take Debo out. You still have Christian McCaffrey. You still have, you know, Ayuk. Um, but you also, here's one thing people aren't talking about. Trent Williams. Trent Williams is their, I mean, Hall of Fame left tackle, right? One of the best left tackles in the game. And he's out best the last couple the games, right? So, mm-hmm. and this is a very small subset. So, once again, Take this with a grain of salt. But I can see where other people are are looking, being like, oh, well, maybe he is more of a system guy than we thought because if he doesn't have his line and if he doesn't have all his pieces, even though he still has Kyle Shanahan and and the offensive coaches in the game plan, it's not the same. Yes. I, I get that. The two thoughts that I have there, though, are one, he's essentially, he's not a rookie quarterback this year, but he's within starting his first yeah, 16, yeah. 17 games. So, well, for the sake of this conversation, we'll say like a rookie quarterback. It's, I, yes, Hall of Fame, all these these pieces aside, you get this routine, you get your offense it is very hard to get comfortable with that and be a great leader in it and then immediately be adaptable as such a young quarterback. Do you know what I mean? Like a Patrick Mahomes right now. And I think also skill wise is very different between Patrick Mahomes and him. I understand that. I'm not saying that the two of them are skill wise the same. Like Patrick Mahomes will always be able to improvise and make things happen in a way that Brock Purdy never will be able to. But what I think is interesting is he, for such a young quarterback, He's playing this offense really well. And then you take these pieces away and you're like, all right, now continue like nothing happened. 
Like what rookie or yeah. second year quarterback is really able to do that if you think about it. And so, yes, these are very high caliber players, but I think even more than that, it's here's this offense, know it. Now it's changing and adapt and then do it in flying colors. That's tough for anyone. You know what I mean? It is. No, it is. But at the same time, it's like the argument on the other side is, is yes, he's missing like last game. Yes, he is missing Debo, but he still has, I mean, he still has Kittle. Mm -hmm. He still has Ayuk. He still has Christian McCaffrey. Right. But then like the way that the offense is run, that's what I'm saying is different without Debo and him. And then obviously like your left tackle, who's not going to be affected if they have an amazing left yeah. tackle go down. But then the second one that I wanted to say with this is it's, it's what I talked about last week. He led the same game winning drive. You could have talked about Shanahan being more aggressive at the end, but that wasn't Purdy's call drives them down and sets them up in position to hit a game winner. And what I said was frustrating is people are going to now talk about how he can't finish. That's games. Good he point. can't yeah. come back. And he did the exact same thing and the kicker missed it. And so now like some of what you're seeing is, Oh, uh, he choked in the moment. Like he can't win games. It's like, he essentially did the exact same thing to win the game last time. And the kicker missed it. So that frustrates yeah. me too. Cause I'm like, all right, let's take these things into account yeah. before we pass judgments that all of a sudden this quarterback that had two bad games is actually trash. Now when we need Trey Lance, who's proven nothing right. has shown no upside. Right. No, hundred <laughs> anyway. percent. Last thing I'll say the 49ers since 20, I believe it's 2017 under Kyle Shanahan or whenever he took over, they are 0 and 29. When trailing by five or more points in the fourth quarter. So if you're up wow. five or more points against the 49ers, historically, by the start of the fourth quarter, you will win that football game. So that's interesting because, wow. of course, everyone talks about Kyle Shanahan, great coach, this, that. Obviously, a couple bad games. 49ers fans are like, maybe he's not a good coach, just like how I do with Bill Belichick. But it's like... It's pretty interesting that if the system's not going well, right, and they have to have a player to step up and they have to win a football game, it just it hasn't happened. So it'll be it'll be really That's interesting fair. to see, like you know, if the 49ers late in the season get down by you know five, seven, ten points the fourth quarter and see if they can come back and make some plays. That's really interesting. That's a good point. Real quick, QBs. I just want to touch on three, and we've already honestly kind of touched on them. But Brock Purdy, uh, I was actually going to say that people are overreacting already like they typically always do. I still think he's a good QB, but he's had a rough go at it. But I also think these are the moments, right? Like right here. These are the moments. Oh, like, for sure. You lose two games in a row when you have arguably the best offense in the league, one of the best offenses you know, and you lose to the freaking Vikings and the Browns. And it's like, now what do you do? Right. So it'll be interesting to see the rebound. So I, I put him in there as number one, cause it's like, I think people are overreacting, but I also, um, it, I think the next few games are going to say a lot. Next three to five games are, are going to say a lot. Number two, I want to talk about Patty Mahomes, just being Patty Mahomes for a second. I mean, 400 and almost 30 yards passing. Four TDs, and that was a commanding victory against the Chargers. You can't argue that one. But Patrick mm -hmm. Mahomes finally being, like, like you said, the Chiefs offense coming to life. And if we see that Patrick Ooh. Mahomes, 
He's going to win a Super Bowl. As the guy who has him in all my fantasy leagues, I would love to see Dude, that Patrick if, Mahomes If he plays like Every that when week. he needs to, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. Super Bowl incoming, number three. I mean, that is unbelievable. I mean, he just makes some throws that just obviously are just unhuman. No one else can make. So mm. it was good to see Patty Mahomes have his first Patty Mahomes game of the year, I felt like. And the number three, I love it. Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar had a Lamar Jackson. Not I said Lamar did not have a Lamar Jackson game as he passed for 360 yards. That's not true. Do we know that has to be one of his best games? It has to be. Because, dude, Lamar, you know, he'll have 200 yards passing and 80 yards rushing. That's like, you know, that's that's a Lamar Jackson stat right. line. And the, I was pumped to see it because remember we talked beginning in the year. I was like, I think we could see big strides with Lamar Jackson's passing game this year. Yeah. And then when that happens, that is a scary thing. And we have. Yeah. I mean, if he performs the way he did against the Lions for the rest of the season or just in key games, dude. And my guy, he had four TDs as well. He had three passing and a rushing. So he had 400 total yards and four TDs. That's disgusting. Dude, if we see Lamar and Patrick Mahomes, if we see those two quarterbacks play like that, I mean, that's going to be the AFC championship right there. Yeah, could very well be. So short and sweet. I mean, they were really fun to watch. Yeah. Short and sweet, just like Diamondbacks scoring, tying it up 2-2. to Love to see it. Love to see it. Corbin Carroll, let's go. Big Arizona guy. Um, love those two. Let's should we just hit our power rankings? Dude, let's do it. Let's run through it. Let's do it. I think we talked about it enough. You want to hit yep. it first? I'm gonna go quick. Uh I almost took Buffalo out, but I have Buffalo at ten. They have some things to figure out though. Cleveland Browns at nine. I still think it's a solid football team, wild card. Dallas Cowboys at eight. I hate putting them in the top ten, but they're eight. Detroit Lions, I think, is still seven. Yeah, they got blown out by the Ravens, but I think it was a little bit of a trap game, and I think they're going to bounce back nicely, and I believe in Jared Goff. Dolphins at six. Obviously still a good football team, but they still got to prove some things here. Jaguars at five. They've played pretty well the last few weeks, and if Trevor Lawrence can figure a couple more things out, start playing a little bit better, I mean, that offense could get scary. Number four, we got the 49ers. I I almost didn't want to put them at four just because they, just like the Bills, have a lot to figure out, and the next few games are going to say a lot. I, I truly believe in the next three games. You were going to put them lower than four? Yeah, just because, dude, they lost their last two, and they have a lot of things to figure out right now. I really believe that in the next three to five games that they're either going to be top two or they're going to be almost outside of the top ten. I think the next three games will say a lot. Like if they take care of the Bengals next week, right? And they play well the next couple games, I think they're easily in the top three again. But if they don't, if they lose two out of the next three, man, I mean, maybe not outside the top 10, but definitely outside the top five. So I think the next three, four games are going to say a lot about the 49ers. Uh, Number three, Ravens. They keep playing like that. It'll be them and the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship. Lamar Jackson holding it down. Number two, we have my fly Eagles fly. I mean, I almost put them at one. 
yeah, Chiefs are, are playing a little better right now. But I'm telling you what, man, they're finding a way to win. Yes, they lost the Jets. Not a great game, but bounced back very, very strongly against the Dolphins. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is going to get better as the season progresses. That tush-push, unstoppable. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, wrapping it up at number one. Once again, if Patrick Mahomes plays like that, it's going to be tough to stop. So mine, pretty similar. Bills at 10. They need to take a long look, figure out, do they even want to be a playoff team? Honestly, nine Cowboys, they haven't shown anything yet. They had a bye week, and so they were able to escape week seven by having a bye. So have them at nine. Browns at eight. I hate saying it, but even without Deshaun Watson, they look good. So potentially could look better when he comes back. Lions, I'm going to keep it seven. I'm not going to read too much into this week with the Ravens. Uh, Jags at six. Very close to top five. Right now, I have the Dolphins ahead of them. I think that things could have gone different in the Philly game. And so I like them a little bit above. But again, it's kind of close. It's kind of getting murky now in the top 10. Then I've got Ravens at four. They showed all the things that I've talked about wanting to see. They finished games. They played really good. Lamar Jackson looked unreal. That's the Ravens that I wanted to see. Then the 49ers at three. uh, I'm still really high on them. They had a couple bad weeks. When Debo comes back from his, I guess, fractured shoulder or whatever, I think that they can be go back to, to top form. So I still like them right now at three. It's still early midseason. And they started out like four and four last year or even below. So they can turn it around. They've shown it. Eagles at two. They look good again. Uh, and then the Chiefs at one. I've been saying that their offense hasn't looked good and they unlocked it. They showed us the Chiefs that, that they are with Patrick Mahomes, with Kelsey. They looked really good. And I thought having McCole Hardman back was unlocking things for their offense that we haven't seen. So he didn't do much for the Jets, but I think that he's a good fit in Kansas City. So those are my power rankings. That's what I think. Not confident because week seven made me shaky about everything. Yeah, pretty close. A few things shifting here and there, but all in all. Chiefs might get blown out this week. We're starting to get to the point where for me it was, but it's three to two though because... The, the Diamondbacks picked yeah. up a second run. But anyway, so I think I'm starting to get to the point where I'm regulating between weeks where right now, like the 49ers are down a little bit, but I'm taking seven weeks into account where it's not like there's a bad loss. I need to feel the need to move someone down or they have a good win. They get to move up. And so I think that we're right. starting to see more of that and then balance is kicking in. But we'll see. I, I think yeah, the Bengals sure. might climb too. We'll see. I hope so. Joe Burr, this is a big week for them, man. And the next couple too. Like it's not over, but next three weeks will be big no but if they beat the 49ers man real quick that is gonna be a freaking oh we're gonna have it we're gonna have an interesting conversation on the pod next tuesday picks time we already talked about how bad it was you want me to run real quick with these picks yeah so down. for me i mean i think there's gonna be a couple bounce back games you know i'm big on bounce back games I think the Bills are going to cover minus seven and a half versus Bucks. I also don't think the Bucks are that good. They just had a hot start. As much as I hate to say that, I think the 49ers also cover against the Bengals. As much as I hate saying that against Joe Burr, I don't think they can do three straight weeks of losing like this. Um, also, the Bengals are coming off a bye, so it, it, I think it'll be a pretty close game. But I do like the 49ers to cover there. Also, you know what's about to come next. You already know I'm going Texas minus three and a half versus the Panthers. I mean, <laughs> I'm three for three against the Panthers spread so far this season. Let's go four for four. 
this week, baby, with the Texans winning by minus three and a half. Uh, number four, I got the Vikings to cover the plus one and a half. They have a lot of momentum right now. Uh, they're playing the Packers this week. And I really think that now is that the middle part of the season where the Vikings show everyone they're actually a pretty good football team and they're a playoff contender. Lastly, number five, I got the Eagles and the Commanders. I like the over here. I think the Eagles are figuring out some things on offense. And then I also think that the Commanders are going to have a little bit of a bounce back game. And the Eagles secondary is kind of, it's pretty weak as we talk about. And I think Sam Howell played well against them last time. And I think he'll probably play well again this time. So I like the over of the uh, 45 line here. Yeah, I like that. I had six, and so I got to whittle it down to five. And the one that I had was Houston at Carolina. I'm going to take that off because, you know, maybe this might be Carolina's first win. So who knows? Not that I'm confident in it because I'm not confident. But uh, I've got two games with you, but I'm going to take the over first off on the Bucks bills So it's 42 and a half. I'm going to take the over instead of the Bills to cover. And then Jets at Giants, the New York game. I have the Jets covering minus two and a half. Then Eagles Commanders. Um, I I think that you said the over under is forty five. Yep. Yeah. So I I mean yep. I think that's a pretty safe bet. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go with Philadelphia covering. It's minus six and a half. Like I said, I'm kind of down on the Commanders right now. Eagles are playing good football, so I think they're going to cover. Then Kansas City at Denver, especially since last time they had such a messy game against the Commanders. I think they're going to take care of business here. Then Kansas City at Denver. Again, Kansas City didn't really dominate against Denver the first game. And so even though it's in Denver, I still like Kansas City to cover minus eight. It's a bigger spread, but I think their offense is firing now. And then the final one is Falcons at Titans. I've got Tennessee plus two and a half. They're coming off a bye. They have been all over the place, but I think that Atlanta's not, not really good, honestly. And, uh, I think that Tennessee is a better team. And so they are, Atlanta has got a two and a half point spread right now. And so I think that Tennessee is probably going to win, but I like them at least to cover it's two and a half, which is always like an interesting one. Cause I don't know. Sometimes it feels like you might as well just take money line. I know it's stupid logic, but anyway, Tennessee cover. Right. Love it. Yeah, I love it. I, mm. I like the Jets to cover too against the Giants. So now that we ran okay. through ours, we've got Mr. Incognito with his hot takes. And I got a text from him. And he's like, I, I, did, I ran the numbers. I'm 10 and 9, 10 out of 19. With the hot takes for the most part, he had a couple more conservative ones this week. So we got to put a little respect on his name. He had that harsh week and then we got on him and then we had a harsh week. And so I guess, you know, it happens to the best of us. It happens to these teams we're talking it about does. happens to us. It happens it's tough. the best. Anyway. What's up, guys? Mr. Incognito checking back in. A little bit better week last week. Alabama took care of business, beat Tennessee by two touchdowns, as expected. Utah pulled off the upset against the fake USC. That was kind of a crazy game if you watched it. And then Auburn. Auburn played well against Ole Miss. You know, they didn't pull off the upset, but they played well until the end. So, lock of the week this week. I got Georgia beating Florida. I mean, that's it's a 14.5 spread. There's a lot of talk around Florida potentially beating Georgia because of Brock Bowers being injured for Georgia. I think that's 
that's relevant. I think it'll probably be close in the first half because of that, but I think Georgia makes enough uh, changes at halftime, wins the game, and I'm going to say they cover the 14.5-point spread. I think they're just a better team. Uh, next game up, we got Oregon taking on Utah. We talked about Utah a little bit last week. Oregon's offense, though, is just so explosive. Uh, they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite, Oregon is, and I'm going to go ahead and pick them as a lock to win this game as well. The last game, uh, we got Duke taking on Louisville. Louisville's a four-point favorite in this fit, in this game. I would say, you know, it's kind of a hard game to pick because we're not really sure if Duke's quarterback, Riley Leonard, is going to play. Um, if Riley Leonard plays, I'm taking Duke over Louisville. If he does not play, I think Louisville takes care of business. I don't think it's super close if Riley Leonard does not play. All right, guys. Maybe throw a parlay on this one this week. Who knows? Good luck. All right, man. We want a little draft? Let's do a little draft. Uh, so what we've got today is we're going to do our favorite, fun, best, whatever you want to call it, touchdown celebrations. So it might be recent, might be thrown back. A little inspired by Tyreek Hill, honestly, because the no fun leak having to find him for grabbing a phone and doing a flip. We're like, this is what makes football fun. So let's celebrate it here. And it's odd episodes. So you get to go first. Ooh, do I? Mm-hmm. You know what? And I have to say this because I'm a Panthers fan. But in 2005, Steve Smith did what's called the babysitter Steve. He wiped the back of the ball, burped it, and then put it down for a nap. And I mean, that was OG Carolina Panthers, 2005. And Steve Smith, one of my favorite wide receivers, I mean, just rocking the kids to sleep. That was on my list. I love that one. Especially when him and Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, whatever, <laughs> were doing the little celebrations back and forth. It was such an iconic, feel-good time, nostalgic in my childhood. So I love that one. It was on my list. But the other one is I loved when Randy Moss did the fake moon to the crowd. That was one of my favorite celebrations. And of course, oh, as yeah. a middle schooler, whatever it was, I had to start doing that. And so that's good. I love it. Number two for me is a phone call to his mom. Mm, Joe Horn? And that's Joe Horn. It was like back in 2003. And Joe Horn scores the TD. Gets a phone underneath like the the padding of the uprights, and then mm -hmm. calls his mom, underscoring a TD. <laughs> I mean, there's there's times to call mom, and then there's inappropriate times to call mom. That was absolutely the right time to call mom. Oh yeah, I think he got like a thirty thousand dollar fine or something for that, but so worth it. Yeah, he he got fined, <laughs> which would probably that's hilarious. Probably be like a hundred grand now. Yeah. I love that one. So I'm gonna do. Ooh, there are a lot of good ones here, but I'm going to go pick two when Chad Johnson picked up the pylon and did a little putting with it, the little Tiger Woods celebration. I thought that was a fun one. Gosh, I should have said that being a golf guy. I know I took it from last me. for me. I'm not, I'm not going to do a specific celebration. I'm just going to go with the vibe and the creation of the celebration, right? I'm going to go with Jamar Chase and the gritty. I mean, I it was a freaking TikTok trend forever doing the gritty. I mean, he you could say Jamar Chase inspired a generation. It's interesting. That's a good one, which gets me kind of fired up because a lot of, well, so far like on my list and what we've talked about, there's a lot of receivers from like the alts, 
which were great. And there were the diva receivers and it was so fun. So I'm kind of fired up that there's someone now on that list. And then like we talked about with Tyreek Hill doing the flip like that. Um, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to give a shout out real quick to Tia autographing the, the football, like pulling a Sharpie out of his sock because that's iconic. But what I'm actually going to do, because I think this is just hysterical, is Chad Johnson doing the Santa Claus when he had a bag of signed merch. Oh, yeah. Start throwing it out. Like, how <laughs> amazingly narcissistic can you be? That's it's golden. <laughs> I love that. I feel like Trump would do something like that. You know? Oh, Trump probably like, would. Like a political rally. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Autographed mugshots. Well, I'll tell you what, man, it's never as fun virtually as being in person, but nonetheless, some good conversations. Good conversation. Never as fun. I agree with that. We'll be back in studio next week. We've got some some other fun people coming on this fall. So uh, I'm excited yes, for do. it. We have a lot and of hopefully fun week eight coming on this fall. It is, is not the embarrassment that we display last week my apologies to anyone who followed us into the, oh. into the storm into the war i'm sorry by the way shout out uh scott for winning that that parlay my guy netted a few hundred bucks by hitting that parlay he said on our pod last week yeah i mean we went down but he he did solid um love that but anyway thanks for listening see you next time peace and blessings go diamondbacks go Phillies, baby peace